everybody, whether you're the president of a company or the paperboy, everybody has the exact same amount of time. You and I both have 24 hours a day. No more, no less. The question is, what do you do with your time? Real quick, my friends, go to zbooks.co and get my new book. It's called The Power to Publish. It's at the top of the page at the link, My New Book. And it's going to help you publish your books. Okay, back to that podcast. Welcome to Zbooks Successful Authors Podcast. And today I have with me, I'm so excited because this person is making a difference, a young entrepreneur and a young woman entrepreneur. And I'm really stoked to have Veronica Kieran on my podcast. So let's get to it, making a difference with Veronica. How are you, Veronica? Hey, I'm good, Eric. How are you? Doing good. Doing great, actually. The weather's been letting up here in Germany. And um, where are you? I am in Detroit, and the weather is not letting up at all. Oh, good. Well, what do you mean? Uh, is that good or bad? It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Great Lakes get, get you some cold wind down there, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's it. So I respect your time. So at any moment, you may interrupt and say, hey, I got five minutes, okay, or last five minutes, Eric. Okay. Okay. So um, I discovered you through many videos and my good buddy, Gregory deal. And once I saw your video, I said, boom, I got to do an interview because you did this amazing thing. And you know what, why don't you just talk about it? Um, you, you, um, uh, interviewed, why did you want to interview the elders? Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to talk to our oldest living citizens about technology because, uh, I can tell it's changing everything and uh, the people who are reporting on it and researching are people who grew up with post-war technology like plastics and microwaves and, you know, space travel and safety features and cars and things like that. Um, our elders who are still alive um, all around the world, our oldest mm-hmm. living citizens grew up before running water and electricity were even the norm. So, mm-hmm. To speak to someone like that who still remembers the first time they saw a television is a strong compare and contrast between how things kind of operated for humanity for thousands thousands of years. And yes, there has been some technological advancements, but not the high tech that we're seeing today and not to the depth we're experiencing with interpersonal relationships mm-hmm. and societal norms. So I thought that would be a good, good and interesting um, study, and it has proven to be just that. Interesting. Um, so tell us about this mix. You're coming from the anthropology angle and you're an entrepreneur. Um, how does that work? Exactly. It works. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely didn't set out with a plan by any means, but um, I got my degree in anthropology and thought I would be an applied anthropologist, which technically I am with this book. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, um, one thing led to another and I started a business and I started another business and I started mm-hmm. another business and it just kept going from there. So I'm on my sixth business right now. Wow. Actually. So I have to interrupt you. Have you sure. been selling businesses for multi-zillion dollars? <laughs> I'm not at liberty to say how much I have sold my businesses for, but uh-huh. I have sold businesses. <laughs> okay. I, I'm sorry. We have to go off on this tangent. 
what is your process? How do you start a business and, and um, run it or sell it? Or what, what is your process? So I actually specialize in scaling businesses and that's what I do mm -hmm. with my clients. Now I'm on a hiatus from starting things and helping other entrepreneurs start them as a coach. Mm -hmm. uh, and I specialize in scaling partly because it is the only way in order to be able to sell a business, but it's also the only way to gain the freedom that we all desired when we started businesses in the first place. Mm -hmm. So as an example, I was actually in Germany a year and a half ago because I was running a business that I had scaled to the point where I was working only 10 hours a week. Nice. I was able travel. So I was in Germany and France and mm -hmm. uh, the UK and I just kind of took a European tour and everything was fine. Hey, you missed uh, me. I did, you, why didn't you visit me? I'm sorry. Can <laughs> no, we reschedule okay. that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. If we can okay. reschedule. Just let me know. We'll get okay. back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so how do you scale or what, where were you? I interrupt you. Sorry. That's okay. So scaling is all about really working your way out of the business so the business can run without you. Um, mm -hmm. And the most common myth that entrepreneurs hold is that they are a special snowflake and that they have to be somehow deeply involved in the business in order for it to mm -hmm. run. And mm -hmm. that may be true at the very beginning, mm -hmm. but in order for the business to grow, systems uh, and automation and employees have to be put in place in order to take things over. Otherwise, they'll be limited simply by your own humanity. So immediately the E-Myth book comes to mind. Have you read that? Oh. I actually have not read it, but I know quite a bit about it yeah. and it has been circling my yeah. life for many years. So yeah. you're right on that. Yeah. Everything I know about that book is you're right on point. Yeah, exactly. Because you have to get out of your own way and, and you've got, you have three hats and everybody's stuck in the technician hat and in the business and you, you can't, you know, you got to get out of the business to, you, you know, that way. yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. You know, that is man. I, okay. We, that's a tangent. We can go off on for a long time. Uh, so, but just to uh, sum it up. Uh, so, but, but how did you learn that? Uh, through hard knocks, honestly. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to have to make another termine uh, for that because um, yeah. I've been looking for somebody to help me with my business. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get back to the elders. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, well, so to, I mean, this is a perfect segue because if I hadn't had a skilled business, I wouldn't have been able to travel for mm -hmm. six weeks across America to interview these people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So um, how many states did you hit? Uh, 40. And how many interviews? 100. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm going through your website and stuff and seeing your videos. So what was the biggest thing oh. you learned from our elders? So I don't like to draw strong conclusions because this is up to everybody. Everyone has different possible uh, lessons from this book and from what I researched. But personally, um, I feel that I have a much better perspective of how I fit into history because um, mm -hmm. I have more life inside my brain than I have lived myself. Mm -hmm. um, and so to understand how I fit into history myself and how to use technology much more intentionally so that it doesn't sweep me away and I don't lose the, the um, beauty of life, the humanity in life, um, I feel like I'm much more rooted and grounded and more able to build true long-lasting connections, run my business better, um, and generally be healthier and happier. Cool. That is is pretty cool <laughs> so um uh what was one of the most interesting stories you had from the road or from the elders 
Oh my gosh. It's so hard. That's yeah. a really hard question to answer. I mean, so yeah. broad strokes, uh, there was the gentleman that I interviewed who helped invent our first spy satellites during the cold war. Wow. Um, there was the nun who was in prison because she was protesting nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the man who worked on the Saturn five and helped it get up into space. Nice. Um, and then there's the simpler things, like the the funny, funny story of one of the women, first time she saw a television, uh, there was an opera on, and she said that the woman was just very large, and um, it, it wasn't what she had imagined in her head, and she said that it kind of ruined the music for her, having the visual, which was fascinating to hear. Hmm. Um, a man who rode a horse to school every day that was procured in a wild Bronco roundup in the West, just like Mark <laughs> Twain era. Like these people yeah. are still alive and that's cool. the point. That, yeah. That this still plays in our culture. Yeah. Is that video on your website? So um, there is a documentary that is going to be soon released. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a, a series of the interviews and some of those, yes, some of those people are within that documentary, but not all because it would be impossible to include a hundred elders in a 15 minute documentary. Yeah, of course. Of course. So um, were there a lot of war stories? Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I, I particularly would ask about um, World War II, but I interviewed some people who were old enough to remember World War One. Wow. How old were they? Mm-hmm. Uh, the oldest person I interviewed was born in 1911. Okay, so do the math. 108. So like six, about six years old when they remember the soldiers coming home. Wow, crazy. That, that's, mm-hmm. So that is um, my, maybe my number one question. How do you get these people to open up? Because I've been trying to get my dad to write a book. He was in, in Dresden in, in, for the uh-huh. firebombings. He was like two years mm-hmm. old, but he still remembers it. And he just doesn't want to write about it, you know? Uh, Mm -hmm. So did you have a problem to get these guys, gals to open up or? Not really. Um, Some of them, you know, would give me really quick answers, but I had formulated a series of 15 questions that I used across the board with everyone so that Mm -hmm. it would be ethnographically sound that I could compare and contrast as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, um, the first step was simply just getting them to agree to a stranger coming to their home or to meet them at a coffee shop or something. <laughs> so um, once that was accomplished, the rest of the conversation kind of fell into place. Well, that's pretty cool. So um, what, uh, so I think I saw on your website or on your video that they're actually the much better at technology than we are. Yeah, I like to say so. (laughs) Yeah, can you expound on that? Yeah, definitely. So um, they're more intentional. They're just more intentional with technology than we are. Um, Mm -hmm. So so because they lived so long without the high tech, instead of just simply wholesale adopting it like we do, younger Mm -hmm. generations do, they sit back and they say, do I want this? How will it Mm -hmm. affect my life? Unfortunately, um, I'm sure you've seen this um, when somebody says, I don't want to learn how to text message, a lot of young people tend to translate that into, I can't text message. Hmm. When in fact, they're literally saying, I don't want to learn. I don't want it in my life. And they're making an intentional choice. And I think it's that intentionality that makes the difference between young generations and old generations. Interesting indeed. So this is the anthropologist in you coming out. So Yeah, um, totally. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you do with that? I mean, um, is there a name for that in anthropology or you just put it in your notebook or 
what can we do with that or about that? So that's up to the individual. Um, Mm -hmm. Honestly, for me, it has meant that I try to see people in person more often or spend Mm -hmm. time, you know, doing this, the audio thing at the very least, uh, because it does have physical ramifications as well. Um, There's different hormone um, dumps that happen depending on the platform that you're using. In person is obviously best because that's what we've been doing for millennia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Endorphins and stuff. Yeah, well, we literally uh, can heal the ends of our DNA with in-person interaction. We live longer with more in-person interaction. Um, And so by removing a good deal of our in-person interaction, we are actually shortening our lives. You know, that was my next question. So do do you think the, um, it's not necessarily technology, maybe it's the the online thing or the, the screen time. Do you think it's ruining the quality of our lives? I think it is to some extent, but I think it's, again, how you use it. Um, it's designed to be addictive. And if you allow it exactly. to, if you, yeah. So if you allow it to do what it is designed to do, yes, it's going to be a detriment. If you choose to use it and you're the human, so hopefully you're smarter than the technology at this moment in time, we yeah. will see in the future. Mm-hmm. You have the ability to choose how it appears in your life. How much are you on it? You can look up and say, oh, I'm, I spent a few hours on this today. I should get off and do something else. Go smell the roses. Go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, so so maybe um, you, you can remind me. Um, I, I remember reading about this Silicon Valley company who, mm-hmm. who specializes in making uh, I, uh, Android or iPhones, uh, you know, addictive. Uh, through mm-hmm. this instant uh, endorphin, what do you call it? instant reward uh, cycle? Mm-hmm. And yeah. now they're also going an, a step further. They're making apps to to take it out, to block it. <laughs> and uh, do, you, do you remember which company that was? I actually don't know the name of that company. No, but you're right. They um, social media companies actually use the same techniques that Las Vegas casinos use. Yeah, to get your attention and keep it. Yeah. I was thinking that was a hot stock tip because I heard that this company is also making something to break that cycle. And I'll, I'll just look it up and Google it later. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I hope that, you know, you put it in the show notes so that our listeners yeah. can take a look too, because I know that I'm not the only one who accidentally, I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I've done all this research and yet mm-hmm. I still sometimes go down the rabbit hole and then look up and say, shit, it's yeah. been an hour. What the heck? Yeah. I tried their app. They had an app they, they still might have the app. And what it does is you install it on your phone. And then whenever you go to tap uh, like Facebook, it, it puts a delay in there so that it, mm. I guess, breaks the cycle of this hitting the button and getting your mini endorphin rush, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, or okay. it breaks the cycle of the reactivity. Okay. Yeah. You're the anthropologist. You can explain that better. So <laughs> have you heard of George Gilder? I actually have not, no. Oh, you got to read him. So his uh, newest book is called Life After Google. So mm-hmm. let me tell you about this. It's, it's, it's the same topic. I mean, he's been around, I think he's 80. He's either 70 or 80. And what he does is he goes to like the Silicon Valley dudes and he gets the, the information from the source. So he was one of the first people to write about integrated circuitry, IC and, and, and chips. Mm-hmm. And his book, for example, he also wrote about wealth and poverty, was the most read and quoted book by Ronald Reagan. So, mm. so 
yeah, so he goes to to the source and gets like the the real stuff. And he says, so this is back to the point, huh? <laughs> he says that uh, we don't have to fear all of this coming artificial intelligence stuff. And he takes a stance against Elon Musk in this case, where Elon says, "Oh, AI is coming. It's going to kill us all. It's going to mm-hmm. it's going to exterminate all of our jobs." And he says, "Baloney. Uh, that's the luddite, the luddite." Uh, point of view where they're anti-technology so um you got any views upon that you know with ai i'm not sure and i don't know enough about it i do honestly it's a little bit creepy seeing robots being able to jump over things now oh yeah yeah they're able to quite functionally move around a space um yeah but I, I don't know how advanced it is. I think the first wave, honestly, isn't going to be AI. It's going to be data because data farming is very real. And that's going to become a significant problem. I mean, if you mm-hmm. consider uh, Amazon now offers banking. So what really? happens when you get your paycheck? Mm-hmm. Amazon knows. They uh-huh. up the ads to you. Are you in control of your money anymore? You might yeah. say yes, but you might say no, no. And so it's, mm-hmm. again, about choice. And that's what yeah. I like to bring it back to. And um, what was your overarching lesson from the elders then? Just the fact of intentionality. That okay. They're, they, it, they're, not, they're not Luddites themselves. They're in awe. I mean, I, some of this technology has saved their lives. Yeah, um, yeah. They get to see their grandchildren the moment that they're born, even if they're 100 or 200 miles away because of these mm-hmm. devices. So yep. they're totally in awe just as much as we are, but they step back and pause and think, how is it affecting my life? And that's mm-hmm. all that I think that we need to start doing um, mm-hmm. as younger generations. Okay, do you have any hacks for us that we can do like right now? You could turn off your router, have it be on a timer and have it turn off in the evening so that you have evenings without technology. Hmm. Um, Charge your phone in a different room. So even if you used your phone alarm, it's charging in a different room. So you have, um, you know, no technology in the bedroom because again, that blue light and the the things, it amps you up and then you're not not sleepy. Yep. Um, I love hosting brunch for my friends every month and we leave the technology away. So that's, true in-person human interaction we're getting Mm. the physical benefits once again so and what is the average age when you guys are doing that oh gosh um youngest i would say is probably 22 and the oldest Mm. is maybe in their late 50s Mm -hmm. but that's cool i mean because everybody's going oh the younger generation there it's it's over man they're all you know stuck stuck to their cell phones and stuff you know and uh and so yeah but but obviously not One of the elders that I interviewed comes to brunch and he is 72. (laughs) That's cool. That's cool. No, I mean, you can definitely make choices. And I see a big wave. I see this um, kind of call for intentionality coming up in a couple different places now, especially actually with Gen Z, um, Generation Uh Z. So I think that we're about to hit a very interesting moment in time regarding technology Mm -hmm. and intentionality. Um, Yeah. Have you noticed? Yeah, go ahead. No, that's it. I got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> have you noticed, maybe even yourself, how we are trained by the audio signals of the phone? How some people just jump, even when they hear a little ding from like somebody left a message on Facebook or something. Have you right. noticed that? Yeah, and that comes back to the reactivity that we're being yeah. trained to be reactive. And then you wonder where your time went, where your day went, or what, mm-hmm. what am I doing? Um, it's like that Talking Heads a song, you know, this is not my house. This is not my beautiful <laughs> wife. Like, how did yeah. I get here? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. um, 
you weren't paying attention uh-huh. and you weren't choosing to own your time. Yeah, but it creeps up on you, doesn't it? You, if it's you don't, designed to. <laughs> exactly. So you have to be active, and this is the mm-hmm. thing: people are not well. In this case, they're more passive. So we really need more active uh, agitators. I think I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so one of the first things I did was turn off all the audio and acoustic signals of my phone. But mm. then, have you noticed almost every platform? has these little red dots up in the corners to signify a message. Right. And now right. they're training us. Clear them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What do you do against that? <laughs> you can turn that off too. I've seen a lot of people turn, turn all of the notifications off completely so that when you are checking for notifications, you are intending to check for notifications. Hmm. Yeah. Um, have you heard so, of the Pomodoro technique? Oh, that's my favorite. Um, yeah. I, yeah, that one's really good. I, I, I don't have the red timer. I just got a normal timer. And mm-hmm. I combine that with the German technique called the Alp, Alpen technique. And it makes mm-hmm. sense in German. You know, the acronym makes sense. And um, mm-hmm. can't, I can't, uh, can't translate it for you right now on the fly. That's but okay. um, yeah, so you're a Pomodoro technique person. I, I, I don't actually use it personally currently, uh, mm-hmm. but I've been pretty good about taking breaks, but again, mm-hmm. if you need a technique for getting up and walking away from the computer every so often, yeah. it's, it's a great, it's just a timer basically, as yeah. you said. Yeah. Intentionality that really resonates with me too. Uh, one of my favorite speakers is Ed Milet and he's one of the, he's really into that too. And um, I do the Pomodoro technique and it's, it's fun, you know, it's race against the clock. So you can you make a game out of it, gamify it, you know? So I highly mm-hmm. recommend it. Yeah. Highly, highly, highly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I want to, oh man, I want to talk about so many things. Um, <laughs> first, but you also, you, you made a book, right? This is a book podcast. So, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> remember? And yeah. Um, so tell us called, about what, it's sorry? Called, it's called Stories of Elders What yeah. the Greatest Generation Knows About Technology That You Don't. And you used Kickstarter to launch it. How was your experience yeah. there? Good. It was a good experience. Um, I've even written an ebook about that experience now. To help oh, what's others. it called? Uh, it's called the. Oh, what is it called? Um, let's go find out right now. We <laughs> <laughs> just have to edit this. Sorry. It's. Um, I think it's called the Kickstarter Guidebook. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's so, on my website for sale. It's not on Amazon. That's cool. You probably make more money on your website. You can't, you can't charge $40 for a PDF on Amazon, you know? So. <laughs> right. And I, well, I actually don't charge 40 It's $5 on my website. But, oh, that's cool. Um, it's a deep dive into making sure that your Kickstarter is a success because two thirds of Kickstarters fail, mainly yeah. because people just don't realize what goes into it. And is this one of your, what, I don't know, core techniques as an entrepreneur? Is it, or did you just use it for the book? I just used it for the book, but I do help other entrepreneurs put together their Kickstarter campaigns if that's what they need. Mm -hmm. It's not always the right fit for Mm -hmm. a project or company, but Mm -hmm. sometimes it's exactly the right fit because of the socialization that comes with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, it's absolutely something that I I, um, have a special program for. Okay, so you just said the other book is not on uh, Amazon. Why is that? The Kickstarter ebook? Yeah. Yeah, because it's specific to my coaching. Uh, okay. And so it's, it's, it just doesn't seem like it's a No, that's cool. That's cool. You, you can do that. 
You have every right to do that, but you know yes. you can have multiple Amazon profiles, so you can make another one for that if you know if you want to. Yeah, fair enough. I have an entire resource library of many eBooks and mm -hmm. uh, guidebooks on my website, so it has a home there. Okay, so what is your number one tip for Kickstarter? Hmm. Treat it like a full branch of your business. Mm -hmm. It's going to take. It's, it's like a job when during your campaign, you're working 40 hours a week only on your Kickstarter mm -hmm. and you need to have a plan of action just like you would for a business. And so that's mm -hmm. why I say treat it like a business. Okay. And um, so uh, you used it to launch this book or finance the research or tell us about that a little. Yeah, so I used it to finance the rest of the research. So oh, I did okay. a proof of concept for the first couple months of the idea of the project, and I had traveled to four different states and interviewed 30 people at that time. Mm -hmm. So the Kickstarter funding was to go for a, a wider reach and get a true American narrative uh, be, because of the travel. Um, and uh, I just, I wouldn't have been able to fund it on my own. Um, hmm. Yeah, and I'm proud yeah. to say I actually was chosen as a staff pick on Kickstarter too, which is a big, cool, um, a very good accolade. Yeah. So um, it worked out very well. So you don't have to answer this next question, but I just thought of it. <laughs> okay. What was your most favorite state and your most uh, least favorite state? Ooh, um, <laughs> I don't know that I could say that. Well, okay. Well, okay. I hate driving. I hate driving across Texas. Mm -hmm. I have done it more times than I can count. And I hate it because yeah. the state is so big. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't change a whole lot on landscape. And so it's just, it's, it takes two days to drive across and it's just very annoying. Yeah. I was um, there. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I stopped at the Olympic rainforest once I got up towards Portland um and that was beautiful mm -hmm. so it's 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 um one of the only northern rainforests it's definitely the only northern rainforest on north america and so to see redwood trees combined with moss and um that humidity but also a chill in the air because it was november oh my god it was so beautiful yeah isn't it crazy it's inspiring i i used to have relatives there and when when i was there in oregon the first time i was like what the heck is this i've never mm -hmm. seen such a deep jungle yeah i thought that was just in the movies Gorgeous. like yeah, the amazon no, or something so you know? cool. yeah but like it's 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 just like the amazon but yet so different because it's yeah uh, yeah, it's oh, it's so cool. It's really cool. Yeah, I love them redwood trees too. Those are my favorite for sure. So, mm -hmm. I've I've yeah. never been as far east as Texas. So, so I shouldn't pass judgment. But the West Coast is obviously my favorite. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, I lived in California for two years, so I do mm -hmm. have some bias there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, so, although uh, on a tangent there, California is supposedly not very business friendly. They have one of the only states that has a business tax. So if you want to start a business, you got to pay them every year just for owning a business, you know. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm like, I pay, I pay taxes to my city, my state and my, my federal government anyway. So like, yeah. how much work will be? <laughs> well, huh, you know. Okay, different topic. <laughs> we'll save that for yeah, another we'll day. Yeah, we'll save that for a lawyer, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what's your number one tip for authors? 
Uh, so the one that everyone likes to say is just start writing. But actually mm -hmm. what I have found is that the adage that we all were annoyed about when we were in school, they would say, make an outline before you start your paper. Mm -hmm. And usually we'd say that's bullshit. I'm just writing the paper and you just write the paper. Mm -hmm. It actually really matters to have your outline, to have the chapters sequenced to some extent when you're starting the book, whether it's nonfiction mm -hmm. or fiction, it will mm -hmm. make all the difference in the world. It changed everything for me. And I actually just, um, and I know you're going to ask about this anyway, so I'm just <laughs> going to go right for it. Okay. I actually just wrote the outline for my second book uh, yesterday. So Cool. What's it called? I'm not telling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, that, hey, the suspense cliffhanger. This is, yes, it is. Stay tuned later on this year. Very good. I like it. Um, so, yeah, I'm a big outliner, a big fan of that. I think it's mandatory unless you're really, really super experienced. But otherwise, you've got to outline. So, do you have I think um, even a, the most experienced writers use yeah. outline, though? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so, do you have a template or a, um, I mean, you're mostly doing nonfiction now. So, maybe it doesn't. I currently am doing nonfiction, although fiction definitely is the cornerstone of everything I do. It's yeah. odd to me. I, I, as a young person, I never imagined I would be writing nonfiction ever. <laughs> um, well, fiction's funner. Well, um, and I, I enjoy, I'm an anthropologist. So when I write, yeah. I, I write social commentary, but through mm -hmm. fiction. Um, yeah. I can to, if you take H.G. Wells or Ayn Rand or yeah. um, Albert, um, Aldous Huxley, like those are the, those are the yeah. guys that I like to follow. So yeah. it's funny that I have, I have short stories and I have novels that I've written. And yet here I am published my first book, nonfiction. <laughs> okay. So you've written novels, but unpublished? Mm -hmm unpublished uh, so if you're an anthropologist then you must be a big fan of noah harari and homo deus and homo sapiens mm -hmm. and I mean, i'm a fan of them because you know they like made us <laughs> <laughs> well his latest book is homo deus and he gets into the technology uh -huh. thing again and uh have you read his new book i homo haven't no deus. ah it's worth a read if you like i mean I think it was better than Homo sapiens, but um, oh, it's pretty, pretty crazy stuff, just like we just talked about with technology changing our lives and how, um, I'll just let you read the book. It's pretty profound. It's pretty cool. Okay. okay. And um, yeah, so, okay, that was, um, I wanted to ask you, since we did your number one tip for authors and you're mm -hmm. also an entrepreneur, so do you have a validation phase where you say, okay, I'm only going to make this product or book if there's X amount of, of pre-sales or something like that? No. So how do you enter a market <laughs> or a how do you enter, how do you enter a market before you start a business? And that, what do you look at? Oh, well, okay. Yeah, I do market research. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I guess, I guess that's a little bit of what you're talking about, but yeah, um, yeah. I go from the research side of it that I want to say, is this plausible? Is there a need? Mm -hmm. Are there, is there interest? Who is my target market? Is it something different than I thought it would be? Mm -hmm. um, when, what are the numbers? How much do I have to invest in it? Or um, you know, what are the startup costs? Is it worth mm -hmm. even getting into? Um, one of my startups got stuck in the ground and never took off at all because hmm. we, we discovered that the numbers just didn't work. Hmm. Hmm. Do you use a marketing canvas that seems to be popular now? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the lean canvas, but okay. um, I think that it really depends on what you are intending to do with your business. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you're going to go for angel investors or any sort of loan, you're going to want to use a traditional business 
uh, planning tool. Like what? Just the original 30 page business plan that banks uh -huh. tend to want. Oh, okay. There's okay. probably yeah. templates out there, but yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm talking about working with mm -hmm. lawyers and I'm not, I, I don't know anything about it. So I'm just mm -hmm. yeah. shooting these yeah. greenhorn yeah. questions. Yeah, so the canvas and, and the business model canvas and all these things are mm -hmm. branded, uh, uh -huh. down versions of the original business plan that everyone uh -huh. had to do up until 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, what's so really, now, yeah. go ahead. What's really interesting is that you didn't go to college and get the MBA. You learned in the real world. And I mm -hmm. think that is admirable. That is really, really cool. So when you think about it, anthropologists are designed in order to see into target markets minds and especially mm -hmm. market to them. So perhaps I'm actually more primed in order to be successful in business. Maybe you should be building the next app uh, that gets <laughs> into the neuro synapses and stuff like that. I have an app idea. I'm just sitting on it right now. Okay, DRM, what's it called? The non-disclosure agreements and all that stuff, NDAs, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, okay, what's on the horizon for you then? So I'm working on uh, my second book. Just started it. So this is just a little little baby book right now, soon to grow into a big, big grown-up book. Um, I'm doing a TEDx on this current book, Stories of Elders, in mm -hmm. March. So um, keep your ear to, ground, to the ground for that recording on the TED website. I'm very excited about that. Cool. Um, Which TED web? There's a lot of TED websites. There's about a Well, no. So it will be on the TED, TED website and YouTube and everything. Um, okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then in April, I will be uh, in India for the Women Economic Forum mm -hmm. uh, speaking at a conference. So that's nice. Nice. So, too. so what you have, are you running one business now? I'm coaching entrepreneurs. That is my okay. current venture. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. Yeah. You, yeah. I'm sure you've heard of Tim Ferriss, right? Yes, of course. So we have to, uh, you're, I don't want to say you're the female Tim Ferriss, but Huh. I'm going to think of a better byline than that and then uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> a better nickname or something, you know, not okay. that your name's any, not bad, you know, it's okay. Yeah, how, about I'm, how, how about I'm Veronica? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I got to, I got to think of a nickname. He's the male Veronica. That's, that's, that's not bad. Yeah. Reframe <laughs> it. I like that. Okay. So what's, um, you've mentioned uh, the coaching and stuff like that. So um, are you going to be uh, focusing more on books or more on your coaching or how's that going to pan out for you? I intend to have it be both. Oh, nice. Very Authorship good. is very important to me. It has always been very important to me. So there will always be books churning out, um, which is part of the reason why I stopped running other businesses besides mm -hmm. coaching at mm -hmm. this point to make room for authorship. You, you've heard the uh, age-old internet maxim, right? When you, when you can't decide, take both. <laughs> <laughs> I tried that for many years, and it turned out I was taking many instead of both, and um, ah, yep. nothing then was being developed at all. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard of Burdan's Donkey? No, I don't think so. It's, well, it was one of those age-old Greek dudes. You know how smart they were. And he put a donkey... <laughs> right in between the food and the water. So the donkey kept looking in between the food and the water until he died. He couldn't make up his mind. All he had to do hmm. was make up his mind and go to one and then the other, you know? Hmm. So 
I actually think it's silly that the donkey died though, because you typically feel thirst or hunger, but not both at the Mm -hmm. same time. So it's really listening to what's the stronger urge. And that's what I'm doing right now. The stronger urge for me is to be coaching other entrepreneurs to make room for authorship. And uh, someday I will absolutely return to the startups and apps that I have banging Mm -hmm. around my head. (laughs) Cool. Okay. So what's the one thing you want to leave the world with? I, I, sim- I mean, it's cliche, but I simply want to have changed the world for the better. Mm-hmm. And um, the way that I intend to do that is to hopefully draw people to thinking about what does everything really mean so that mm-hmm. they don't get caught up in a lot of the, you know, BS that, that, that sticks us in a place that isn't healthy or isn't what we wanted and lose sight of the fact that we live one life that we know of. So this is it. So Mm -hmm. if I can nudge people in that direction and have them living fuller lives, which means life is better for everyone as a result, um, because they're happier and thus you get the better life Mm -hmm. effect, then I think that's a good life and I will I will feel like I have lived well. Cool. I like that. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So where can we reach you online? Gosh, uh, so you can find me on my website, veronicacurin.com, mm-hmm. or you can find my book's website, mm-hmm. storiesofelders.com, which has okay. the podcast uh, of the book as well there. Uh, otherwise, anywhere on social media, I am at VM, as in Marie, Kieran, okay. uh, and especially in my Facebook group, The Audacious Entrepreneurs Sandbox. Cool. How do we get to that? Facebook is uh, facebook.com slash groups slash audacious entrepreneurs. Audacious is open to everyone? Yep. You just uh, go ahead and say join group and I'll say you're in. Awesomeness. So um, who is your, or you were talking about uh, helping entrepreneurs. So who is your, like your target audience, beginners or midstream it's honestly people who have really, really, really big dreams. I call them audacious entrepreneurs because um, they, they think bigger than themselves and they believe their, pack, their impact is going to be bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. I like to say that they're building an empire, but typically it's building an empire to change the world for, a, for the better. I won't work with anybody who's building a conquering empire. That's not what I want to be <laughs> doing. Um, and so that's why, you know, if you feel like you, if you are just starting out, then just mm-hmm. join the Facebook group ad- Entrepreneur Sandbox, that's a great place to start mingling mm-hmm. and building your community because nothing can be done in a silo. And uh, there's workshops in there. There's definitely a strong community. Um, I'm going to do that. I love working with entrepreneurs who yeah. have started but are either getting stuck or they want to pivot or they want to make it explode in growth. Awesome. You know, it's so funny that you said empire because that's what I used to say in my, um, you know, my seminars and stuff when I went uh, you know, what, what is your why? And I said, oh, I want to build my empire. So, okay, I better uh, adjust my message for your group. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Veronica, thank you so much. I'm inspired by your work. You're an inspiring person. And uh, we have to do another podcast. Yeah, I think we just have to go ahead and veer off to the right-hand side there and talk about everything else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's do it. Uh, Thank you once again, everybody that's listening to this. Go to her website. It's really inspiring. Uh, um, And uh, what can you tell us your website one more time? VeronicaKieran.com. 
thank you very much. And um, I'll see you next time. All right. <laughs>